Mike Flanagan really has a thing for houses. I mean, he's done Hill House, he's done Bly Manor, and he has now done House of Usher. And personally, what I would like to see next is I want to see Mike Flanagan do The Haunting of the Bear in the Big Blue House. Ooh. Yeah. I will watch anything he makes. I want to see him give Tutter an extremely oversaturated emotional monologue. Please. A tutter jump scare. Oh my god, of minisodes this October season. Um, this is a minisode that we haven't done in a while. It is a bone-chilling binge minisode, which at this point we should just rename the Mike Flanagan minisodes because we've only ever covered Mike Flanagan shows on them. Uh, this will be the fourth time. Well, you know what? If anyone wants to come and make something half as good as Mike Flanagan, we can talk about it. That's true. Um, but uh, we are obviously covering uh, – the newest miniseries released this October on Netflix, The Fall of the House of Usher. Um, obviously, if you have not watched the miniseries yet, do not listen to this episode because we are going to be spoiling things. Um, but also, I guess if you do not want to watch the minisode, for, or minisode, Jesus, miniseries for any reason, then I guess listen and then we'll fill you in on everything you need to know. And um, I think you need to reevaluate because you should always watch hmm. Mike Flanagan shit. Right. Um, but this is his. Yeah, his fourth miniseries, at least. I mean, it's he also had series. Midnight Club is not a miniseries. It's a miniseries only now because it got canceled. Yeah, but then it still was a miniseries, isn't it? I mean, I guess it wasn't intended Semantics, to be a miniseries. Baby. Anywho, um, but yeah, I feel like I feel like an interesting place to start would be, um, and you can stop me if you don't want to. Um, okay, is where of his miniseries mm-hmm. overall, where do you have this ranked? I think, I mean, listen, Haunting of Hell House, I think for both of us, is our favorite television program possibly ever. Yeah. I mm-hmm. don't think anybody can really surpass it in terms of the emotional gravitas that it has. It's it's spooky. It's scary. It's heartfelt. It's compelling. There's really nothing that's going to beat Hill House for me ever. Um, but I will say that this comes in second for me. Um, it probably wow. goes, it probably goes Hill House, Usher, Midnight Mass, Bly Manor, Midnight Club. That's probably Holy my shit. my order. I think we're gonna have a really interesting episode. Oh no, did you not do you not like this? Oh, I boy, have this not including Midnight Club because it's not technically a miniseries. Uh-huh. If it was, it would be dead last for me. Peace and love, but it wasn't for me. Um this is my least favorite of his miniseries. Really? I swear to you on my life. Yes. Interesting. Okay. I did not. I'm, I'm not going to go the streets and say I hated this thing. I, absolutely mm-hmm. not. But I was curious because we didn't really talk at all about any of the show. We just kept being like, oh, I'm on this episode. Like, I'll be done at this time. Like, mm-hmm. that was it. We didn't discuss any thoughts or feelings, really. So I was like, I wonder, I wonder where she will land on this. And I'm so fascinated that it's second for you. 
Oh, yeah. No, I really loved it. I mean, in general, I think that Mike Flanagan has such a knack for transforming like these classic ghost stories and like not necessarily Poe's not necessarily ghost stories, but like Poe's like gothic tales fit Mm -hmm. so well into the style that Mike Flanagan has because obviously he's made a lot of films that are not based on any kind of like pre-existing material like this, but Haunting of Hill House is a Shirley Jackson novel. Bly Manor is based on Turning of the Screw. Um, And now this is obviously based on all of Edgar Allan Poe's work. And I'm a huge fan of Poe. I mean, I, I studied English. So like I was, I've read a lot of Poe in high school and in college. Um, It's very much my, my aesthetic, my vibe. I love the Gothic elements of it. So immediately I feel like it already had such a step up for me of like, I'm so already like shoehorned into this. Um, But I just found it so compelling. I thought that the structure of the series, having it be each sibling having their own episode, I thought was really smart in the same way, like Hill House kind of did that. And then you have it bookended by the first and the final episodes, which kind of tie everything together. I thought the way that he incorporated so many different Poe stories into it was also very cool because some of them I knew very well, like obviously like Telltale Heart and the um, the Raven and the Cask of Amontillado, which I thought was really great. But then there were other ones that like The Pit and the Pendulum, which I didn't really know as well, or Goldbug. And I just thought it was fascinating. I think he's a, an incredible storyteller. And I think even if you are not familiar with Poe's work, it also can just like stand alone so well as a, as a miniseries. Yeah, I mean, it it, fe- it felt obviously very Mike Flanagan to me, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think a big thing, which might bring us to a, another talking point about this, is it was the comparison everyone was making. And I know that you succession. haven't watched the series in full, but I have. Yeah, it's that it's like yeah. Mike Flanagan's succession. And like, I was thinking it and then I'm like looking at like, because you can review like mini series on Letterboxd. I'm looking at like every other fucking Letterboxd review is like something about it being like succession. And there were these really high rated reviews saying this. And I was a little taken aback by that only because, mind you, we already have it on record that I'm a Mike Flanagan stand. So nobody in these streets start thinking I'm fucking coming for throats because I'm not. Um, (laughs) But I love Succession. And to me, what works with Succession, and I was interested to see this because I feel like what Mike Flanagan has done in past when he has these stories about family or whatever is like, not to say that everybody's perfect, nobody has flaws, blah, 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 but like for the most part, they're not like, it doesn't feel like they're overtly like bad people or anything like that. Where like this time it was like, no, they're bad people. Mm-hmm. Very Succession, like, and what works about Succession, at least over time, I think if you like the show, um, I'm sure not everyone feels this way, is that like, even though you're like, no, I know these are bad people and they're doing fucked up shit. They're doing fucked up shit to each other, but you get so much time with them on so many like intricate, specific things about them and personality where you're still like, no, they're bad people. But like, I still feel for them. And I still like see this like different stuff in them that makes you give a shit, mm-hmm. which is like this backwards ass thing where you're like, why am I rooting for these bad people? But like, I just like this bad person more than that bad person. So like shit like that, where this... I did like, yes, the structure of like, which he's done in other shows of like one child per episode, which I think is necessary to give like each individual story because they're all dying in different ways, blah, blah. I just didn't feel any, I don't know, like deeper connection with any character. It just felt a lot of them felt surface level to me, which I think to a certain degree is intentional. 
Like, I mean, mm-hmm. like, literally, if you go on their fucking Instagram and they, like, pull up, like, the different characters, they'll be, like, the playboy, the fixer, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, they all have these, like, specific kind of, like, roles they're filling within this, like, evil conglomerate family. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, I just didn't feel any connection to any of them. Like, I didn't feel like, well, they're evil, but, like, oh, I feel bad for this one or whatever. Like, which I feel like Corbin's yeah, except- I don't think you're supposed to. Right. But then I'm just like, I don't know. And I think that's one of the things I kept going back and forth on where I'm like, mm-hmm. I like that it feels different, that it's this Poe thing where it's like, no, it's just dark. It's just mm-hmm. dark and they're all going to fucking die. There is no redemption. There is no whatever, which I think was interesting and new for him. And I didn't overtly dislike that. But I think at the same time, like, it, to have it be this through line story, it's not like a mini series where he's like each episode is like a, like a, an anthology where it's a different story where I'm like, OK, work. It's like mm-hmm. it's a through line of the family, which by default, the kids that die last, I feel like you obviously get the most from because you've seen them the most. They've been alive the longest. Mm-hmm. Like the first kid that dies, um, who dies at like Harry. the fucking orgy. I was just mm-hmm. like, I, I want to say love the acid rain at the orgy shit and like oh, their yeah. bodies and stuff. that shit was gnarly and i love that but like i was like well, i don't give a fuck i don't give a fuck that he's dead i don't give a fuck how anybody else feels about this like i was just like it was cool to see that happen love that but i was like oh it's like early too like we have more time like you know he was the youngest kind of like a throwaway whatever mm-hmm. and i just like never fully like i feel like connected with any of the deaths or even Roderick and Madeline, where I was like, well, they're the real, I feel like, staple. Like, they're the ones that started this. We're seeing them at different points in their life through these flashbacks. And it just never clicked for me. I just didn't have the same emotional punch that I feel like mm-hmm. I've come to expect in one way or another from a Mike Flanagan thing, which is what I often, I feel like, look for and like about his work. I just, just like, I, I feel like the whole time I was like, oh, it's going to happen next episode. It's going to click for me. And then it just, like, never mm-hmm. fully clicked. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I I don't want to say that I didn't connect to any of them because I think I mean obviously it, it's possible it's just my personal like love and affection I feel for both Kate Siegel and Raul Coley that I was yeah. like so into both of their characters but like Kate Siegel was serving cunt all day long I was so <laughs> here for her character um and I think that of all of them I think obviously Victorine's episode had the most um I feel like the most complex emotions because she was kind of losing it and like grieving over what she did to Alessandra and trying to like come to terms with that and also having like all this denial. But I think there were moments in Tamerlan's episode where you, you saw behind the veil, like very briefly of her dropping the bitch attitude when she's like, thinks she's talking to Bill and like apologizes to him and is like, I'm just really having a hard time. Or when she's talking to Juno and she Juno is like really expressing all of these like emotions to her and you kind of see that like oh I've you can see the the wheels turning in Tamerlan's head of like I've been judging this woman and now I feel empathy towards her but like she also can't quite cross over to that and I think that's all very purposeful that like you're not really supposed to root for any of these kids because they are all bad people in their own way and I was seeing a lot of things and I don't know if it was I'm sure it was purposeful because Mike Flanagan doesn't do anything by mistake but each episode had like a very specific um color scheme to it Mm -hmm. and it kind of corresponded with like the seven deadly sins and each of them kind of represented a different one of those which I think 
also kind of would go into it. And I think the whole, I think a big message in this is how like greed can corrupt the soul mm-hmm. and how you can become <clears throat> a, a monster because of your greed or your envy or any of those, you know, sins. And so I think each sibling is kind of like a stand in for that. So I don't need them to like also have these emotional like revelations that I can connect to because I don't think that those characters are that deep. I think they are very surface level characters where like they're selfish. They only care about themselves. They only care about their money or their power or their drugs and watching them get taken down and destroyed by uh, Verna was so satisfying to me that I didn't care that I didn't really connect to them because I was like, I'm just here to watch their downfall and to see, you know, justice brought to these people who are kind of pieces of shit. And Uh um, I also think I found it really fascinating, the dynamics within the family too, because every single time that a sibling died, nobody seemed to give a fuck. And I thought that was fascinating that nobody really cared for one another because they are so self-centered that like even when Tamerlan died who was Frederick's like full blood sister and if he's going to care about any of them because he seems to be like well the rest are bastards whatever even then he's so far gone in his drugs and his anger towards his wife and his own fucking shit that he doesn't care and I think it's fascinating that the only time you see Roderick cry is when Lenore dies does not seem affected in any way by any of his actual children dying, but his grandchild, that one really uh, finally gets to him. And I think, I think Lenore is the heart of the, of the family. And I, yeah. I did connect to her and to, I think, to her mother. I mean, the mother storyline, we'll come back to that. Cause that yeah. to me was like a peak for the, the series. Mm. I was like, Jesus Christ. Um, but I think I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but I think mm-hmm. ultimately that's what frustrated me was just like, like, yeah, like, these characters, which, once again, like, when you think of the comparison to Succession, like, they will do fuck shit to each other and not give a fuck, or it will be like, I'm sorry, it had to be what it had to be, I have to, like, get one step ahead of you, but you have these nuanced moments with these characters, kind of like you were saying with um, Tamerlane, where you see that, like, crack, where it's, like, mm-hmm. that happens, like, very near her end, and it's just, like, these kind of one-two split-second moments where, like, once again, obviously, like, I'm talking about Succession, which is a full series, so it obviously has a lot more fucking time to do this shit, so, like, I have to be a little fair on that front, but I think that, like, it's one of things also with, like, in a post-Succession world, when you're doing something that feels, like, so, like, it's hard to not simultaneously be, like, I felt more, like, emotionally, like, moved by a succession that I did this which is a little shocking to me but I feel like yeah like the whole thing with like I get it like they're bad people they're so obsessed with their own work like they're not going to give a shit that their siblings dead and that's supposed to add to the level of like they're fucked but it just kind of felt like it would be one thing for me if like maybe like the first one or the first two it was kind of mm-hmm. like that but then we saw like a crack of like they're like Jesus like more of us are dying and beyond the whole like well we all have to get bodyguards now because someone's after us just like just the implication of like, oh my God, like half of our siblings are dead. And it just like never feel like I feel like it clicks for them. And I feel like it's it's easy on one hand to be like, well, they're they're bad people. So they don't give a fuck and that's what makes them bad. But I'm just like, yeah. But on the other hand, it feels, I don't want to say lazy, but I don't know. It just feels like we're not digging enough. I, sh- I would say that Leo, I would say is the, the one that does care. Because when both Perry and Camille die, yes. he's clearly very, very affected 
by the fact that both of them died. And that's true. He he dives like headfirst into his drugs and his addiction because I think the grief really he doesn't know how to process and handle the grief. So I would say of all of the siblings, even though he dies third, so like he doesn't you know get to continue. But I think that he does show the most humanity of all of the siblings in that way. And I just think, like, even I think about things about, like, they have, like, at the end of one of the episodes, like, where they have, like, a shot, essentially, of, like, or for the most part, like, all the siblings and how they, like, come almost treat, like, sex and everything and how they, like, outsource mm-hmm. their intimacy and blah, blah, where I was like, okay, this is interesting. I'm I'm ready to explore these things. And then it just kind of was just, like, here's an interesting attribute, which I'm sure, like, it, you can write essays about, like, well, I think that this person did this because of this, 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 which, at the end of the day, do I want to be handheld to everything? No. I don't think that's good writing or good TV making either. But at the same time, like, I also get frustrated sometimes when it's like, I'm going to present a lot of ideas, but then not really tie most of them together and kind of just be like, let everybody else decide. Where sometimes I'm just like, I don't know if that's you doing good storytelling or if you just being like, I'm just going to throw things out there and then just because I want to. Because I think about, like, what did that mean? Like, oh, the whole thing with, like, um, Kate Siegel's character, like, having her assistants essentially, like, have to, like, have sex with her as well. And then we cut to, like, mm-hmm. uh, Tamerlane. Like, she has to, like, hire, like, sex workers to essentially, like, play her fucking her mm-hmm. husband. So she watches. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm interested in, like, what's going on with this stuff. And, like, obviously they bring back the Tamerlane thing because, like, that's how um, Verna, like, moves into her life. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, where is more? Like, give me something else with this. Yeah, like, I just wanted to be like, give me a little bit of an explanation. Like, give me, like, some reason. Like, I was like, and we're doing flashbacks of, like, obviously young Roderick and Madeline. Um, So I was like, give me some flashbacks, one or two of, like, other than, like, the flashbacks of, like, when they're in, like, their tiny-ass apartment with Roderick's first wife. And they have, like, the kids as, like, kid kids, like, before they're even, like, talking low-key. Where I'm like... Give me them, like, yeah, when they're talking about, like, when he, like, went back into their lives when they were, like, young adults or, like, teenagers and, like, offered them money and, like, swayed them. I'm like, let me see something maybe of, like, that early relationship with their dad where I'm like, I can see the things that he did fucking Logan Roy style that made them be, like, loyal to him but also feel like, I don't know, like, really wanting to earn his love and respect but they can't get it and stuff like that where I I just feel like we don't see a lot of that. We're just, like – we have to just assume, mm-hmm. which is a little frustrating. Um, but I, to to not fully be on the negative for a minute here, I do want to go back to what we just talked about with um, fucking – what the hell is her goddamn name? Oh, Morella. Morella Usher and her burn wounds and then being hosp- – well, hospital bed bound. Yeah. I mean, in general, as we said, the acid rave thing, crazy. I was just, like, very hopeful, obviously, at the start. Because I was like, oh, this, this is the first death? Fuck mm-hmm. off. Like, this is going to go crazy. And it, what was great about that was, like, maybe I'm an idiot. But, like, obviously, there's the, the scene in that episode where, like, Verna is like, oh, like, leave now. Like, leave now. Get out. And then, like, we see the waitstaff leave. But then, like, we kind of, like, linger with Morella for a minute. So I wasn't sure if she left or not. Because we don't really see her get hit with the acid. So I was like, did she leave? Did she get out? And then you find out, no, she did not. So I was like, oh, fuck and i liked her like she was sweet she was like making like you know cake cake type cakes yeah, yeah exactly I'm here um for her we didn't see her to my recollection do anything where i was like oh she's fucked and evil i guess other than being married to uh henry james or whatever who was fucking crazy um Roderick. 
Exactly. Um, but then, like, whatever, like, already just, like, seeing her, like, in the full, like, mummy burn wrap, like, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, and, of course, you have those thoughts where you're like, oh, my God, like, imagine what happened to me. Like, what is that like? Like, oh, my God, the pain, just, like, all that already scaring itself. And then you see – and this I thought was well done, which, once again, it's easier because he was the last to die. I said – who did I call him? I called Henry James. His name is Henry Thomas. I don't know what the fuck I'm yeah. talking about. Henry James um, is an author, but that's, that's okay. Anyways, Henry Thomas is what I meant to say. You see the slow unravel of that where, like, you have Mark Hamill, like, talking to him and being like, we found this phone. It's her phone. He's like, no, it's not. Like, full denial. Like, my wife, why would she be there? Blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, like, he's going to be broken by this, which he is. But then the angle they take is like, he's going to go fucking nuts and, like, hurt her because of this, which is where it gets really scary. Because in general, I mean, men doing anything to women, fucking scary. But then, like, she is fucking burned head to toe like third degree insane burns cannot move hospital bags like oh i'm gonna take her home we're gonna get special doctors and then proceeds to like drug her through her iv scary as fuck and what was frustrating me is like i think it was like literally second to last i think it was the pit and the pendulum episode where like we get the most of like him drugging her mm-hmm. and like there's no ones where like she begun to be able to talk again but when she gets drugged she can't talk for like six hours or some shit And, like, he's going to do it. And she starts saying, like, no, like, honey, like, wait. And I'm, like, at the very least, I mean, you can drug her after she's done talking. But, like, don't you want to hear what she has to say? Like, maybe she has an explanation. And, like, not even hearing. And I'm, like, (gasps) it was, like, literally making me go out of my skin. No pun intended. But I was just, like, oh, my fucking God. Like, and then, girl, the motherfucking pliers. I, like, my stomach turned. I was, like, (gasps) No. That is fa- – and it's not even like – at first I was like, is he going to just rip out one tooth? I don't know why that's what I thought. But I was like, that's bad enough. And then they cut back and it's no teeth. Fucking gum city. Bitch. They fucking gagged me with that. Yeah. I have a lot to say. Um, Going back very quickly to Perry's party. Yeah. I – I thought she got away because they show the wait staff leaving and then Verna whispering her to get out. And I feel yeah. like they show a shot of her like walking towards the doors. So I was like, oh, good. She's leaving. And so when in the next episode you saw that she was in the burn unit, I was like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. I had no idea. And I also was so happy with the acid because I just – I guess my initial thought was like there was going to be a fire and that the sprinklers weren't going to work. And I was like, yeah. that seems like a very obvious thing to do. So the fact that he flipped it on its head and was like, oh, no, actually, the uh, the water tanks had a bunch of acid in them, not water, was just such a beautiful thing to do, especially because it's like a party of people who are like all these beautiful, gorgeous people who are like taking part in each other's bodies. And it's all just very like lustful and like surface level. And then for it to just all be burnt and melted away. And so you kind of like become this like morphed blob of like melted flesh what everybody is like one it's so fucking good but yeah the stuff that he does to her is horrible obviously I mean I kept I could not get over the fact that like on top of everything he like wasn't changing her bandages oh I know as it went like shoot like the the like pus and blood just like kept soaking through the bandages more and more every time you saw her and I was like I was like, where is Lenore? Why isn't Lenore noticing that like her daughter, her mom's bandages are fucking filthy and she's going to get infections. It was just like really horrible to me. Um, No, yeah. But 
yeah, it was very clear at that point that like he was so far gone with his like jealousy and also with the cocaine that he was not going to believe a word that she said if he even did allow her to speak. He said like, I don't want to hear anything from you because anything that you comes out of your mouth is a lie. So like he had already made up his mind that she was cheating on him, that he's anything she says is going to be a lie to him, which is obviously infuriating. And I thought obviously taking her teeth out when his whole thing was like, oh, it was your smile that really made me fall in love with you. I thought that was very good. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was haunting the way he like posted all of the photos around the room of them on their wedding day too, because it was also kind of just like a kick in the gut to her of like, look how beautiful you were. And now look at you now. It was just really devastating all around. But I think in that scene too, because I know you were saying how you kind of wish that you got more backstory on like how they came to become the people that they are and how their father like influenced their current like personalities and like fucking morals. And I think we get that in that final scene where he takes her teeth out because he's saying to her like, yeah, my father taught me that, you know, I I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but like you can have like a consistent, um, you can be consistently cruel or you can be like one time really vicious and then, break and like then begin to mend and I don't that's not me I'm not consistently cruel so I have to do this one thing to you so that we can move forward and it's I think that is really eye-opening to like how he was raised by his father and what his father instilled in him as like his fucking morals and what he needs to do in a relationship and it's it's just devastating I mean, his death and everything was, like, the most satisfying to me because, when I mean, obviously when all that shit's happening, like, I was like, oh, my God, horrendous, evil little fucking man. So fucking crazy. And, of course, I'm in my head. I'm like, well, if I was her, like, obviously, like, if I ever give the fucking opportunity to actually fucking heal, if he thinks, like, okay, like, we're going to get better now, you know, I fake it until I'm fucking well again. And now I fucking destroy him. Mm-hmm. I fucking behead him in his fucking sleep. Like, are you fucking serious? Like, um... It like those fucking depraved places I will go. Like that's what I'm thinking the whole time. So I'm like, yeah, I want something fucked to happen to him, which then it does, and I'm like, great. I'm like so satisfied. It was like the only death where I was like, yes. Actually, I'll get back. There's one death that I was also like, fuck yes. But like, I said like the acid death, like very cool or whatever. But like I had no like ties to anything at that point where I was like, I want to mm-hmm. see this person pay. And like even the other ones, even when like they're bad people, like. I don't know. At this point, I was just, like, more fascinated to be, like, I would like to see what we've come up with. Like, Mm -hmm. I'd like to see what the class has come up with today. Instead of being, like, I can't fucking wait to see how they fucking kill this person. He was the only one. Because I was, like, girl. Which, I literally, honestly, Verna even tells him when they're, like, lying on the warehouse floor. She's, like, I wouldn't have done all this. But, like, then you had to, like, get the pliers. Girl. mm Mm-mm. Then I had to really Mm -hmm. fuck you up. Um, Which is so good. I'm, like, yeah. Thank God. Um... Which I was just like, oh, because I was like, when he goes in the building, I was like, he's definitely going to die in this demolition. Like, but I was like, but it's one thing I was like, where you know a little bit, but then I like, I did not clock the whole like, because even when he did the drugs in the fucking demolition or like whatever the fuck he was snorting and then fell, I was like, oh, is he just going to OD? Like, has he just finally hit like that limit? And then when you find out it's like he scooped the wrong fucking drug into his bag because he was influenced by her. I was like, oh my God, yes. And then the fact that it isn't even like, oh, like just like the rubble falls on him and he's just like crushed. It's like the literal fucking pendulum, like slicing him open first. So great. Love that. Um, 
But another death that I will bring up that was my other one that I was like, I like that this is fucked. I like that this is dark and crazy and this motherfucker also deserves it is the flashback to New Year's Eve 1988 and the last episode when they reveal that they – essentially buried behind a brick not essentially they did buried behind a brick wall alive Roderick's boss uh, uh the former boss of Fortunato their birthright um who in a pre I mean we know he's evil for so many reasons but of course the thing that got me is like when they had the previous episode whatever the fuck it was where Madeline goes in and is like pitching her like AI mm-hmm. shit and he essentially like tries to put her in her place as, like, a man and being, like, oh, you – oh, convenient that you're Roderick's sister and, like, are you trying to fuck me over? And she's, like, I don't understand why you're talking to me this way. Like, why are you being disrespectful as fuck? And, like, he, like, essentially says all this fuck shit, like, telling her that, like, she's, like, small and all this shit and, like, saying that, like, oh, you can, like, fuck me is, like, you can have sex with me whenever you want, but, like, don't you dare, like, try to fuck me over. Like, I'll fucking kill you. And it's just, like – of course, it brings me flashbacks to any time that I have worked a job, usually a fucking unpaid ass internship, where like there is a man, usually a white man in charge, who girl, even sometimes even just a fucking interview for an internship, where they really try to treat you like you are stupid. And I can't even make this shit up. You already fucking know, girl, that you are stupid. You are beneath them. You should be kissing their boots. And the actual like literal like fire from hell rage that you feel inside of you is actually like physically painful and concerning like i'm like if there was no consequences right now i would like i can't even say it like (laughs) things would happen um so like to see something like that of course you're like oh i want him to get fucked up and like you can kind of assume because they keep bringing back the story that like some they did something to him but like and then I also – because they have a few moments when, like, Roderick is older and he's, like, in the basement and he hears the bells behind the wall that I was, like, I'm kind of putting together what I think happened. But even still having, like, kind of put it together, it's something else to, like, see it. Like, literally see them laying the bricks and see him going through, like, the – whatever it is, like, the seven stages of, like, grief as it's <laughs> happening. So good. So good. I loved it. I'm glad that it kind of took you by surprise because I, I know the cask of Amontillado very well. So like mm-hmm. the first time that Roderick is sitting there staring at a brick wall, I was like, oh, they bricked that motherfucker. Oh my God. And so like the whole series pretty much, I was like just waiting for them to get to the point where they reveal that they've done that to him. And mm-hmm. every time that, you know, I get another scene of him fucking talking down to one of them, I'm like, Oh baby, I can't wait for this. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was very, very satisfying. Uh, I love that she put a brick in there that said, you are so small. Um, yeah. And I also, I forgot in the first episode, you see Roderick when he's like leaving the funeral, sees the jester costume in the limo before he collapses. And I don't I think they really- show that to you though. No, they do. Because I, I remember- just- no, no, no. They, well, they show it because Greg and I were both like, ooh, what is that? Who is that? We were very like taken aback by it. And then he sees it again one other time. I don't remember if it's in the, f- the episode, the finale, or if it's the episode before, but you see the jester one more time before the party. And then when okay. you see it – so I was like, okay, cool. That makes sense. That's what the bell is. Um, but yeah, that was very, very satisfying. I mean, I also think that um, – I don't – yeah, I think – Obviously, I love a chimpanzee, so I was really into Camille's death. Um, right. But I think that I think that they all had such great moments because, like, I would say Leo's is probably, like, the 
the least interesting because he literally just falls off a balcony. But I did love the reveal that the the cat actually never died because, you know, I love that. And the cat was always just, oh, cat actually did just get outside. There it is. And it's a little Gucci collar. Wait, what? Yeah. When he falls to the ground, dies, the Pluto walks by him with the Gucci collar on. And so it's like, oh, he imagined that the cat, that he killed the cat. The cat was always alive. The cat literally did just get out. Oh, I didn't even clock that shit. Yeah, I love that. But I think that the image of um, Victorine's girlfriend with her oh, chest on the wall. open and mm-hmm. the heart pumping and her fucking like dead head and the way that when she did hit her and then like her, um, she was lying on the ground bleeding out, the way her hair was like coated in the blood was really beautiful. It reminded me of um, a shot in Midnight Mass where it's a similar like blood Mm -hmm. pooling moment um and then i think in tamerlan's the way that it's shot where she like slams the the chimney pick or whatever into the mirror above her bed and it's like slow motion it's her falling it's just Mm -hmm. it was just really beautifully shot so i think each of them even though like maybe they weren't as satisfying as maybe you wanted or they weren't as like exciting and interesting as like the acid death and the pendulum i think they all had like little moments that i was like beautiful mike so beautiful i love this yeah i don't think there was any episode where i was like oh front to back this is bad i don't like this like there was things i could pull i'm sure from every episode where i was like that was fun i like that that was interesting Mm -hmm. but i think it was just more of an overall thing what i will say though because we just brought her up is i mean i think that Bruce Greenwood as Roderick Usher, to me, turns in the best performance of the whole series, which, I mean, he is, in theory, the lead. He is, like, kind of carrying us through this whole thing. I thought he he fucking ate. Talk about putting his whole pussy into it. He fucking did that. And I also love Mark Hamill. He's a legend. I that Carla Gugino was incredible. She was good. Yep. Um, But... What frustrated me was a little bit, once again, was the Madeline of it all, because what an interesting character. It's kind of, I mean, the comparison that I think of, once again, to Succession, is Shiv Roy, if Shiv Roy, like, actually, like, kind of won and got what she wanted. Um, But to me, she is no Shiv Roy. Because the thing about her that's interesting is, like, I think she's portrayed really well, both as young Madeline and older Madeline. There's things I, I, I really loved from her. I love that she fucking hates men. She's like, I'm never, nothing is worth it to me if I have to get on my knees for a man. Not a single thing in the world. And I was like, God bless. Love that. And that she wants to change the world. I think they have this interesting thing, obviously a differently interesting conversation coming from like in the world of like TV and film with this whole like AI thing she wants to do. And like how she wants to like live forever which obviously like the living forever thing is interesting because like she knows that like she isn't going to live forever. She has to die when Roderick dies. Like sure. But I, I, I was kind of like waiting. I was like, I don't know. Like I almost like wanted a Madeline themed episode. Hmm. Like I just like wanted more from her because like, obviously once again, we get a little more of Roderick because Roderick is telling us a story and it's Roderick's kids that are dying. Like they're just her nieces and nephews. And she kind of feel like establishes like very quickly that like she doesn't seem to give a fuck at all where it's just like i'm like i i mean you don't really need a reason to hate men and i guess her reason is like her like father who like kind of denied that they were her father is like her reason for like hating men altogether 
but I just like wanted more. And even before like we get the final episode with like the huge Verna reveal where it's like, I'm telling you right now, Verna is the right then. Like she is like the devil, but not really the devil, like all that shit, mm-hmm. which was great. Kind of what I was waiting for the whole time. I was like, let's get some explanations in this bitch. But like there's a scene prior to that when they're like at the bar at New Year's and she kisses her at midnight. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, lesbian? Are, are we getting the Mike Flanagan lesbian verse again? Like, let's go. And then we don't get anything, which I'm not saying she had to have a partner. Like, I also love that she's like, whole life, girl, I'm Miss Independent. Like, I don't need anybody. It just felt like this very, once again, like, we're scratching the surface of like, yeah, this interesting character. Like, she's so kind of like angry at the world and like determined. And I'm like, great, 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 great. I just like wanted a little more. Like, I wanted to see something else from her. Mm -hmm. Like, I just feel like the, the ability to jump so quickly from... Like, clearly being the one Loki with the idea of, like, let's poison your boss and put it behind a brick wall. Like, she's definitely the, the brains. She's leading that front with Roderick. Like, she's kind of being the one, like, we're going to do this. And you're just going to be, the, like, the face. Like, we don't get that before that. It's just kind of, like, her suddenly showing up at Roderick's apartment and, like, being kind of, like, the fucking smoking, like, mean aunt, kind of. Of just, like, where I'm just, like, okay, like, what happened? Like, I don't know. Like, what got us to the point of being, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'll take a fucking life. In an extreme way. Like, I'm just like, yeah, let me see that, like, that switch when that happened. And I don't feel like like, we got that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that I personally needed any more, like, backstory on Madeline. I feel like the little bit that you get of them growing up with their mom and, like, the religious undertones or overtones of the way that their mom raises them and the fact that their father absolutely does nothing to help them. And I'm sure just because she is such an intelligent woman that growing up, especially in the the 70s, 60s and 70s, that she was probably underestimated and talked down to a lot. And I feel like that's kind of just like, that's without saying, I don't really need to see that. I already kind of understand that that's probably her experience. And I feel like with her character, she doesn't seem to have much empathy or consideration for other people. Like she has a moment where she's talking to Annabelle Lee and she's like, Oh, I thought this was an act. This is really who you are. I thought you people only existed in the movies. And it's like, it's very clear that at her core, she's just like a very cutthroat person who probably thinks that she's smarter than everybody else in Mm -hmm. the room. And therefore thinks that she's better than them and obviously you see throughout the series that like you really only get her in the context of the business like the business is her life her work is her life she doesn't have any life beyond that she doesn't have her own family she's not very close to these kids they are kind of just like board members to her um but she does have when you do see that soft spot it is for Roderick and it is her connection to her brother and how much she does love her brother um so I, I found her to be a bad bitch in mm-hmm. the best way. I thought that she was – I thought she was complex. I think that it was just subtle. I mean, there was even a moment where she's, like, talking to Tamerlan and she's trying to, like, pep her up a little bit for her speech and she tells she'll like, break both legs. And I thought that was, like, a soft moment for her. But I think at her core, she's just, like, a tough, intelligent woman who's so not going to take anybody's shit. And I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. That's, that's all I personally need. Yeah, and I, I like that you brought up, like, the only soft spot being for Roderick. Because even in the end, like, 
when they're like in the basement and she's like even though she's been told by verna like girl a deal's a deal like there is nothing you can do like it's gonna happen like get over it and of course once again she thinks she's smarter than anybody to ever fucking exist in a room with her she's like no there's a way there's a way so she fucking thinks like oh if Roderick dies before me or some shit like i will be skipped or like some final destination ass thinking or some shit mm-hmm. so she like has this moment with him in the basement where she's like convincing him like you need to kill yourself and it's just like fucking dark ass moment where she's like feeding him pills and it just keeps cutting she's like you're a king you're the best for doing this you're a king you're a legend you're an you're an icon queen and i'm just like oh my god as he's dying which of course then like doesn't happen because like verna comes makes him throw him up the pills and she's like girl not on my fucking watch but then i think it's funny how like it shows yeah in a in a good way like how like yeah like they are so poisoned at this point by their toxicity to for money to have to be to quote unquote change the world to be powerful that like even after all this time it was like you know it's always gonna be me and you it's always gonna be me and you well in the final moments girl it ain't gonna be me and you even though it's supposed to be me and you we're supposed to just go to de- together so if we don't fight it it will be me and you but if they're like no I, it won't be me and you. It'll be you first or something where, like, mm-hmm. she tries to do it to him. And then in the basement of their old house, he poisons her and, like, you, br- brings, like, the burial shit, like, to, like, mummify her, essentially, without, I guess, like, the wrappings. But um, but what I will say about that, because that was my last thing that, like, I think ultimately, like, left me feeling disappointed slightly. Like, I understood, but I was just like, hmm. Because, like, obviously there's this whole buildup the whole time of, like, him talking to um, Dupin and being like, I'm going to give you my confession. I'm going to tell you how my kids actually died. That's how we watched the mm-hmm. show. But it's all That's all taking place in one night. And he keeps saying when they go back, they're like, they'll hear something in the basement. And he's like, oh, it's Madeline. So, obviously, you're waiting for that big reveal. Like, is it Madeline? If it is Madeline. And, like, I know the story of House of Usher. So, like. I, I know that bit. So I'm kind of waiting. But, like, we get that a little bit at the beginning with his mom. Like, oh, shit, we buried her and she wasn't actually dead. And then she comes back and then she ends up throttling what's-his-name that was supposed to be their actual mm-hmm. father. Like, blah, blah. So when it actually happens in the last episode where he's, like, talking about, like, how he fucking killed Madeline and he did all this shit. And then uh, Dupin is like, was she actually dead? And then Roger's like maybe i don't know probably not actually just kind of like not giving a shit at this point so i'm like okay like something crazy is gonna happen something's crazy gonna happen and she comes up the stairs and there was just something about it for me because she comes up she's like kind of like bloody all down the front of her face because presumably i don't know she had her brains picked out through her fucking nose Mm -hmm. um she's got like the the stone the jade or the hell it is stones on her eyes for the burial she's kind of just like in a white yeah she's in a white gown and she's like moaning there was something about it that felt silly to me because she came up and she's like, she's kind of standing there. She's like, oh, like moaning, like whatever. <laughs> and like Dupin jumps up and they're kind of just standing there for a minute. And I'm like, it felt so silly to me. In fact, that for a split second, I was like, oh my gosh, like there's a twist coming. Like this is fake. Like they're staging this for some reason. I don't know why, but it's going to be revealed and he's going to run out of the house and be like, what the fuck in there? She's going to fucking take the stones off and be like, we got him. And then something else is going to happen. I don't know why I thought that, but like, it was just so like silly and like peace and love a little stupid looking to me, especially compared to like all these other things we were seeing that I was like, this can't be how we're ending it. And then he fucking runs out. And she comes over and does what her mother had done to him. I mean, it's the whole House of Usher thing of, like, I'm going to throttle you to death. Like, it's like, okay. 
and the house collapses and they're dead. And I was like, that was it? Like, to me, I was just like, these are the longest running motherfuckers. These are the two that made the deal. Especially Roderick, of all people. Like, he is the one that sacrificed his kids for all this mm-hmm. shit. Like, I was the whole time, I was like, so when he goes, it's gotta be fucking insane. Like, I need this shit to be fucking crazy. And it was just like, your kind of like silly looking zombie sister came up from the basement and was like, I'm fucking, you know, Homer Simpson to your ass. And like, you died. I can see that. But at the same time, I mean, I didn't think that it was silly. I think that because they did, he did like the ancient burial rituals that are done for a queen of like, that's what she would look like if that's what how it was done. And I'm assuming like after he did all of the rituals and like picked her brain and stabbed her with whatever that dagger was and then literally took her eyeballs out and put the fucking emeralds in. I'm sure that when he left, Verna was like, actually wake up, you're not dead um, because you have to die together. I That's kind of what I expected to see mm-hmm. when she came up because I was like, oh, well, like he, you saw all of the instruments that he was working with. So I was like, oh God, she's going to come up. She's going to have the fucking things in her eyes. So it's exactly what I was expecting. And I feel like, yeah, they didn't have like a gruesome, I mean, she kind of had a gruesome death. Her, That's pretty gruesome to like have to come back to life with all of that having been done to you. But like, I felt like his death was fitting because even though his, in the moment of his death, it wasn't like vicious and like gruesome he still had to witness his entire bloodline get picked off one by one. Like overall, the span of it was like a vicious mm. way to go out. You know, it was psychological torment and emotional torment for weeks leading up until his death. And I felt like it was very fitting that they died together in the home where everything started. It came crashing down around them, like the rest of their family and their lives. So like it felt very symbolic to me. So I, I, I didn't bother me um, personally, but I understand that like, yeah, she was moaning and being a little bit, a little bit of a silly goose. So I, I understand. Why I think I would have liked it more maybe if we got the similar scene that we got with Verna coming to Roderick and being like, spit up those pills, bitch, Fair. it ain't happening. If we like cut to the basement and we see her like crazy corpse light out and you're like, oh, fuck, he went in. Yeah. And then we see the moment of her coming back to life, but like with no fucking eyes, fucking brain scooped out for being like rise up and her like having to like come back into consciousness with that, even for like mm-hmm. a few seconds before we just kind of see her like kind of just like pop up where she's like and I was just like oh all right um like I feel like that would have been maybe more satisfying for me and I think my overall maybe last big note is just and maybe something that would have helped me more with like connecting to these characters or like exploring them further which would change obviously the show to a certain extent but I think ultimately still the same thing was like I would be interested because I feel like at least when I think of like, you know, the House of Usher, um, at least like the House of Usher, like uh, adaptation movie with like Vincent Price, where because mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly in the story if it's this way, but um, it's kind of from the jump. He's like, the Ushers are cursed, girl. We are cursed. Like it, mm-hmm. it, we are going to die. And it's like in the movie, his sister being like kind of like nobody fucking believing him until it's like whatever the shit is happening. And like. I would always be interested if, like, after, like, the first kid died or whatever or, like, whatever the fuck, like, at the very least, even if it was just Roger, maybe Roger and Madeline being upfront about, like, I don't know, and maybe, I mean, still maybe carrying that, like, we did what we had to do. Like, I gave you a good life because of this. Like, 
you know, we blah, blah. And then maybe having like the kids not fucking believing it for a while and or having to come to terms with before they die. Like, because they never really have to do that. Like, obviously, yes, they have to come to terms in the final moment, I guess, like with Verna of like them like going crazy and or like knowing they're going to die or blah, blah, which is its own thing. But like, I think maybe like that infused with like knowing that like, because she says to some of them like, oh, like it's not personal. Like, just know that like this isn't like, I don't have anything against you personally because obviously the whole thing is like she has to. I would have been interested to see like them also having to like process together by themselves, whatever that like, oh, like our dad, we already had our own like fucking issues with and like blah, blah, like literally fucking set us up to die. And now we have to die before he fucking dies. Yeah. I think that the only reason they probably didn't do that was because there's that whole like, they really go in on the fact that even though Madeline and Roderick made the deal with Verna, it seems like pretty immediately after leaving, like it kind of, they kind of like repressed it in a way. Yeah. I don't know if it's her power or if it was just like, they didn't want to like believe it. And so I feel like they went their lives really never thinking about it again, because as the deaths are happening, I mean, Madeline's the one who comes to terms with it like way more before Roderick. He like will not admit or like say like, oh yeah, I remember that conversation with her. Like he pretends it's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. But like even to a certain point when they finally see Verna's face, it's not like, oh my God, that was the bartender. This is the deal we made. Everything is happening. They're like, oh, well maybe you fucked her and maybe you have a daughter and maybe that daughter is trying. Like it seems like it took the entire time for them to even like, have that memory resurface for them to be like, oh yeah, we did make this deal. This is like our fate. So like, I don't think that the kids mm-hmm. could have been able to grapple with it because I think that it took the entire That's series fair. for them to even kind of like remember and realize like, yeah, we did that. Like this is this is what our fate is now. But yeah, I think it's very interesting that we are such such <laughs> polar opposites kind of because I yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I loved kind of everything about it I feel like it's the I want to rewatch it probably within the next year I mean it's definitely I'd be interested to rewatch it to see if now that I like have the full scope Mm -hmm. of it if I feel differently yeah I I was really into it I think that I also just love the cast I mean we know that Mm -hmm. Flanagan always works with the same actors and there was a huge cast this time around a lot of people from a lot of different things that he's done people from all of the shows that we've mentioned people from dr sleep were in this a lot of midnight club kids were in it Mm -hmm. um it was just really for me and i know like i watched most of it with greg he has to finish it because i had to watch the last few without him but he was also like every time the episodes ended he was like mike flanagan is just incredible like he's unmatched nobody can do what he does so it's a a big thumbs up for me I also did want to mention before we went the I don't know if you noticed there were two nice little um like easter eggs that I found and he loves an easter egg so I feel like on a rewatch I'll find even more um the big obvious one was when uh Lenore is watching a movie with her mom at when she's like all bandaged Mm -hmm. up and she's like, do you want to watch another movie? And then she goes on Netflix and it's like, it does like the big Netflix noise and then it's fucking Gerald's game. And I was like, I did see that, yeah. And again, you're so silly. But in, I can't remember exactly what, which episode it is. I want to say it's the Telltale Heart episode. I think it is. When Tamerlan is on her treadmill watching Bill 
on the, like the built live stream. It's the first yeah. time that you see Verna and she's like, why is Verna there? You know, like, oh, are they having an affair? The guy next to Carla Gugina is Mike Flanagan. And he like, is it really? Phil. I did not even area. clock. Oh, I love that. That's so funny, funny as hell. It. He's so adorable. He's just like in his little sweats being like, yeah, man. He like fist bumps Bill. It's so cute. Well, to also leave on a positive fun note, not related to Mike Flanagan, but not related to this. I don't know if you saw, I think it was announced either yesterday or two days ago. Um, <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say. Are you talking about Matthew Lillard is going to be starring in Mike Flanagan's yes! The Life of Chuck, a new Stephen King adaptation. I cannot wait. I mean, also, um, Kate Siegel, which everyone was like, girl, we fucking know she's going to be in it. Like, you don't need to announce that. Um, But I was so fucking happy. I was like, yes, King. Yes. Fucking Matthew Lillard in Mike Flanagan. Matthew Lillard in Stephen King, Mike Flanagan. Girl, shoot it into my veins. We've said it once. We've said it a million times. Mike Flanagan should be the only person working in Hollywood who adopts Stephen King. And he's so fucking good at it. The entire cast. I have yet to be proven wrong, so. Yeah. Every time I've seen another, like, cast announcement for this, it's it's usually people that he's, like, worked with before. And I'm like, yes, fuck yes, fuck yes. And then when I saw Matthew Lillard, I was like, he's joining the Flanagan-verse? Oh, my God. We're winning. Girl, all I fucking need and I – I don't think – I don't know if I talked about it on this podcast before, but I am manifesting because there are signs written in the stars possibly that it could happen because obviously he has the rights to the Dark Tower series that supposedly is going to be developed for this big-ass fucking prime show, supposedly. Mm -hmm. I need, like, a fucking air in my lungs, girl. I need him to cast Pedro Pascal as the gunslinger. I... You motherfuckers are going to hear a tear in the fucking space-time continuum if that shit happens. And it's going to be me fucking doing it. Um, that would be good casting. It would be insane <laughs> casting. Oh, my God, bitch. I'm, like, begging on my fucking knees on, like, broken glass. Mike, I'm I'm begging you, bitch. Please. <laughs> Any fucking ways. Um, yeah, that concludes our mini-sode on the fall of the House of Usher. Obviously, we had opposing ideas, but I think both of us would recommend checking it out for yourself. Um, And then you can see where you fall uh, on our spectrum of viewing. Um, But we have one more super fun special mini-sode for you this Halloween season. You can expect that the day before Halloween on Monday to really get you prepped for the big day on Tuesday. Uh, And then, of course, we'll have a super fun November episode. So... Stay tuned. Keep listening. We love you so much for that. Um, And as always, keep it creepy. Happy Halloween, creeps. Bye. Bye, bye, bye.